מסכת בבא קמא דף ל"ד, תנו רבנן, שור שווה 200, שנגח שור שווה 200, וחבל בו בחמישים זוז, ושבח ועמד על ארבע מאות זוז, שאלמלא לא, לא הזיקו היה עומד על שמונה מאות זוז, נותן כשעת הנזק. This bright is going to talk about cases where either the short of the nizak or the short of the mazik appreciate or depreciate in value between the time of the injury and the time of going to betin. So we'll see all the different cases. So here we have uh, an ox that was worth 200, short tam, uh, that gores an ox that's were also worth 200, but it only causes $50 worth of damage. Therefore, the mazik is liable to pay $25. Okay, easy enough. The complication is that that was at the time of the injury. In the meantime, until they come to Betin and he actually has to pay, the ox of the Nizak um, uh, goes up in value. And now it was worth 200 before, now it's worth 400. Uh, the, uh, the market uh, increased. Here's the thing. So, okay, still the damage was only 25, right? Um, but if it was not damaged, then it would have been worth 800 now. Um, so, at, so the Nizak comes and says, listen, at the time of injury, it's true, you only damaged it, oh, $50 worth of damage. But if you had not, now that now I see that if you had not damaged it, it would have gone, it would have been, instead of 400, it would have been worth 800. So actually, from my perspective now, there's $800 worth of damage, so you should have to pay 200. Is that a valid claim? And the answer is no. It's not a valid claim. The Mazik says we go by the time of the injury, and this is only potential gain that you might have had. The Mazik does not have to pay for loss of potential gain. All right, it never actually was worth 800 and it went down to 400. Okay, it could have been. It could have been a lot of things. So that's the Mazik. The Mazik does not have to pay for loss of potential gain. Now, the other way, kachash kishat bedin. If it get, if it became lower in value, then the mazik is liable. In other words, at the time of the injury, it got damaged uh, fifty dollars worth of damage. That that's if you had sold it right then and and sussed it right then. But in the meantime, this uh, injury got worse. Uh, it um it uh, got infected, whatever. And now it's um now it's actually it grew to a hundred dollars in loss. The mazik has to pay for half of the hundred dollars instead of paying twenty five. Now he has to pay fifty. Why? Because this is real loss. It's not potential gain that he didn't get. Rather, this is actual loss. So that's the principle of the, of the Resha. This is where the short of the Nizak goes up or goes down. Um, if it goes up, then um, that was only, uh, but would have gone up more. That's only loss of potential gain. Mazik is not responsible. If it goes down, as we're going to see at the end of this sugya, and it goes down because of the injury, um, then that is actual loss, and the Mazik is responsible for that. Now, how about the short of the Mazik going up or down? Shavach Mazik noten lo kishata nezek, kachash kishata madabedin. Let's talk about a case where um, I own the short time. It's worth 200. And it does damage. Let's say yours is a, 
uh, uh, premium ox is worth a thousand. So um, I cause I cause a thousand dollars worth of damage to your short. Now I, my my liability is limited to the value of my ox. So the maximum would be two hundred. Okay. So now I'm going to have to pay two hundred. Um, but now it, that's at the time of the injury, and later on, when they when we go to Betin, my four hundred dollar ox turns out to be six hundred. Uh, so I have to give it the four hundred two hundred. It goes up to four hundred. I only have to give you from the time of the injury. I don't have to give you four hundred. I only have to give you two hundred. The implication behind this is that. I, the mazik, own the ox. And therefore, at the time of injury, it just means I owe you a value equivalent to my ox, which is 200, but I have retained ownership of the ox, and therefore the increase goes to me. Uh, so when on the upside, we say that it's the, for the, the mazik owns it. But if it goes down, my ox is worth 200. Now, I cause damage of 1,000, but my, my liability is limited to 200. And then, um, at the time of Dean, at the time of the court, it goes down to 100. Now, I only have to pay you 100. According to this, we're assuming that the ox basically goes over to you. You have a share in it. You own it, and therefore it's your loss. So um, this does not make sense, right? The assumption behind Shavach Mazik and Kachash are the opposite, and that's what we're going to ask about. Amar Mor Shavach Mazik noten kishata nezik mane the Bishmaeli de Amar Bar Chov who vezuzeh who de Masik le. If you say that uh, the, the the first case where when it goes up. I only have to pay you from what the value of the at the time of the injury. So that's assuming the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael that says that the mazik retains ownership of the animal and it just becomes an IOU. I owe you this uh, the two hundred. So that's just an, um, an uh, a cash value that's independent of the animal. I retain ownership of the animal, and therefore, uh, so I owe you the money that you're claiming, but you have no share in the ox. Therefore, when the ox value goes up, I keep that increased value. So the Resh is assuming to be Ishmael. In the Sefa, where it goes down, now, at that, it was 200, but now it's only 100. I only have to pay you 100. That assumes the opinion of Rabbi Akiba that says that the Nizak has uh, ownership, partial ownership, if it's only for, for part of the value of the animal, or if it's the whole animal, like in my scenario. So the Nizak has, has the ownership of the entire animal. That's why when it goes down, well, it's your animal. It's as if the Nizak just took the animal right away. Um, and, uh, and so he took it at 200 and whatever he owns, the, he owns the animal. And so therefore with the fact that it goes down, um, is, is, uh, the loss of the Nizak. So now we have a problem because the, uh, Resha, the previous case was assumed to be Ishmael and this last case of going down assumes the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. How can we reconcile this? We say, La kula Rabbi Akiva hi askinan In fact, the entire, uh, this entire section is the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. So now that makes sense for the Sefa. Um, that it goes down, so you bear the loss. Now, that means, according to the Akiva, in fact, really, in a, a normal case, um, if it goes up, 
So then I, Mazik, would have to pay you the value of the increase. And if it went from 200 to 400, I would in fact have to give you 400 if the increase was caused by an increase in the market value. The whole market went up. Um, but this case where it says I don't have to pay you, this is talking about a case where I, I'm, I'm the Mazik, I decided to uh, fatten up my animal. Um, you fatten up an animal and give it a lot of extra feed and not a lot of calories um, because you're preparing to slaughter it. So that's worth it. It's uh, worth investing it so that it'll be higher in value when you slaughter it. But that requires investment money that I'm putting in. So if I'm putting in money myself, there, uh, even according to the Biakiva, um, the Nizak doesn't uh, deserve to get that value, right? That's value added that the Mazik put money in. So therefore, the Mazik retains that added value. And he only has to pay from the, the original um, uh, original amount uh, of the of what the animal is worth. So we have to make a nukimta uh, to say, no, the, the resha is, really, the, is only when I fattened up my animal. Now we ask, if that's true, uh, this uh, the resha is only talking about a case where I fattened it up. So now let's apply that to the first half of the Braita, right? Where the uh, the ox of the Nizak goes up. So in that case, you're saying also that the Nizak fed it more, and uh, because so how did it go from being 200 to 400? Because the Nizak fanned it up, and now um, I have to pay. The nizak, according to the time of only the nezek, because um, he well, well the nizak. Uh, you know, so remember that case. What was they were both worth two hundred? The damage was fifty. So therefore, the mazik has to pay only fifty. And even though it went up in value, it went up to four hundred, and it could have even gone up to eight hundred. Um, uh, so I don't have to pay that. So, well, if if the if it went up because you fattened it up, then it's obvious that I don't have to pay. What well, n- nobody in their right mind would ever possibly think that um, if I cause you your your animal damage of fifty, and then you go and fatten it up, you put a lot of money into it, and the value goes up. Now I'm going to have to pay for. I'm going to have to pay you more. Because the potential gain was uh, could have been even more. I mean, that makes no sense. I would have to pay you more when you are the one that put money into it to make it more. You 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 changed it. Um, so this is would be peshita and would not have to be said. Amara papa. That's what, so that's a challenge to the previous answer. La papa answers. Resha mashkachad la ben be de patema patume ben de shabchami mela. Then the papa says, look, the, the resha applies in all cases. There's no chidush if the nizak fed it. Um, so you really wouldn't have to say that. But but it does happen to apply in that case. The chidush is where it went up in value because of the market. So, now, so it only needs to be taught when it went up on its own, just because the market value went up. And there, there the chidush is, I only have to pay you according to the time of the injury. I don't have to take into account the amount that went up and the potential that it could have gone up uh, because I don't pay for your loss of potential gain. So that that resha makes sense, uh, and it can apply in all cases. The sefa where the mazik's uh, shor went up in value, la mashkachad la ela kishepitemo. 
there, they have that, they, that the, the law of the Baraita applies only where I fed it more. Um, and that's why uh, you don't get that increase. But if I didn't feed it more, and it just increased because of the market value, then this is a Biakiva. belongs to the Nizak, and the Nizak does benefit from that added value. All right, lastly, Kachash, Keshat Bedin. This is the case in the Resha when the Nizak, uh, the uh, Nizak's animal, went down in value. At the time of the injury, uh, my 200 zoos animal caused your 200 zoos animal a loss of 50. But then it got worse and worse over time. And uh, now the damage increased to 100. So I have to pay for half of the 100. And so we ask, what caused it to depreciate in value? So if it's because you, the Nizak, worked it a lot, right? you, you put it to work in the field a lot, and so that's why it depreciated in value, I, the Mazik, will come and say, what, you made it weaker, I have to pay? Why should I pay? I, I, I understand, I should pay for my Nezik that my animal caused, so that's 50. You decided to work it hard and make it worth even less. That's not my problem. Ravashe says, you're right. And if, if you caused it to make it make uh, to get, get weaker by working it, I don't have to pay for that. But here, we're talking about a case where it got weaker because of the wound. Uh, because, and these acts can say, the horn of your animal is buried in it. Like uh, the uh, the bullet's still in, still in there. Uh, okay, it's not likely that the horn is actually still in there. It didn't fall off or anything. Uh, but whatever caused injury, remember, a horn is not literally a horn. Uh, it could be any kind of thing, that uh, projectile that went into it, and it might actually still be in there. Or whatever, the wound itself is still, festering and increasing its damage and so therefore I have to pay for the increased damage that I caused earlier. No Mishnah, Shor Shavem Matayim Shenagach Shor Shavem Matayim Venan Debelai Yafek Kelum Amad Bimeir Alzenemad Umachru Et Ashor Achai Vechasu Et Kaspo You have a short time that's worth 200 that uh, kills a something that another one that's worth 200 and the carcass is worth zero nothing that can be retrieved so the damage is a full 200 and in a short time, so the mazik has to pay 100. Uh, Rabbi Meir says, this is the example that's, me- that's mentioned in the Pasuk, where it says that they sell the live short, that's the short that was mazik, and they split the, and they split the amount. Since the full amount of the short mazik is 200, if you would sell it and split it, so then each side would get 100, and that turns out to be exactly what the mazik owes the nizak. Uh, the, what Rabbi Meir is getting at here, is that if you look in the Pasuk, it says, V'chi gof ishor ish et shor eo v'amet, machiru et ashor achai v'chasu et kaspo, v'gam et amet yechesun, it says you split it. Now the question is, well, that would not be true in every case. Let's say it, 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 it causes damage, that's only where it's the, the oxes were, the, both oxen are worth 200, and the damage is only worth $10. So then you wouldn't split the amount of the, uh, of the goring ox, it would just be a very small amount. And there could be other cases where it would be more. Uh, so uh, 
why why would you have it could be 200 that damages something worth a thousand and then he has to sell or give the entire shard. So why does it say that you split it? Uh, the Bimir explains that the Pasuk is talking about a specific example of a case. Like for example, if the numbers are like this, then you'd end up splitting it. But it doesn't mean that that's the that you always sell the live animal and split it. Uh, it's in accordance with the ratio and the proportion of what it caused damage. So Bimir says this is an example of the case that the, that the Torah has in mind. Listen, I agree that that would be the outcome of the halacha in this case, except Biuda does not think that that's the case that the Torah has in mind, because you fulfilled the first half of the pasuk that says you sell the live animal, the mazik, and split its its value, but the pasuk continues and says you also split the value of the nevela of the dead an, animal that was gored. And here you said it's not worth anything, so therefore you're not selling that and splitting the value of that one. So you didn't fulfill the entire pasuk. Rather, Rabbi Yehuda says I have a better scenario. That uh, that is an example of the entire pasuk. Here's Rabbi Yudah's example is also both are worth 200. After one kills the other, the nevela is worth only 50. So the loss is 150. Then the Zach's animal was worth 200. Now it's only worth 50, a loss of 150. That thing means Mazik has to pay half of that. So that means he has to pay 75. Now, okay, so he could just pay 75, but look how it turns out to be the same amount. If you sell the live animal that uh, was worth 200, and you split that, so they get 100 each. And you split the dead animal that was worth 50, so they get 25 each. So the mazik, he had an animal that was worth 200. He gets 100 plus 25. He gets 125, so that means he's out 75. Exactly. That's how much he's supposed to pay. Uh, so he doesn't, he doesn't pay cash. Instead, they just uh, split the value of the animals. And the mazik also gets what he deserves um, because he also had something that was worth 200, and he's getting also 125, and so he's incurring half of the loss uh, of 75 which makes perfect sense. And so you see, the Biyuda says, this is an example where the numbers match up to the exa- to what the Torah had in mind. Uh, Torah is giving you an example of if it's uh, numbers like this, then you would split the live and split the dead animal. Of course, if the numbers were different and it was more or less, then you wouldn't always do it like this. But this is the example of the Torah. So you see that Bimeir and Biyuda are actually arguing on the halacha. They're going to agree on what the, the outcome is if it comes to Be'atin. They're only arguing on what would be a difference in the typical case that the Torah is giving as an example. Now we have a Baraita that expands on their views. Here we have the Biuda first, the opposite order. This is exactly the same as we just said. 
and both worth 200, but then after it dies, it's only worth 50. So if they split both of them, they each get 125. And so that's the same as a payment of 75, 75 loss for both of them. That's the example of the Torah. Rabbi Meir Omer, and zehu shor ha'amur ba'torah ela. Shor shevem ha'tayim shenagar do shor shevem ha'tayim ve'endan debelai afekelum. Al zeh ne'mar machlu et ha'shor ha'chai v'chasu et kaspo. Rabbi Meir also gives same cases in the Mishnah. This is, that's not what the Torah had in mind. So I give the example of they're both worth 200. And the nevela is worth zero, and he has to pay a hundred, and uh, therefore you sell the live animal, and he, pay, he gives it and and uh, split the split the uh, value, and that's a hundred each. It's a payment of a hundred. So now we ask, according to the bimeir, ela ma ani mekayem vegam etamet yachasun pechat shepechato mita mechasin b'chai. The bimeir, what do you do with the rest of the pasuk that says you split the value of the nevela? The bimeir, the we understand that perfectly that you sell the value but according to you that has no value so what does this mean also the met yechesun and the end his answer is this is referring to the loss in value of the nizak um, that if it was alive and now it's dead so now now that lost now it, lo- it loses um, its value that has to be cost has to be borne by uh, the half of the living animal. So that's this case where the animal that was Nizak was worth 200, now it's worth zero. Um, so that's, uh, that's Hamet, Gamet Hamet, meaning the loss that due to its being killed, which is 200, is as halved, meaning is paid by half of the Chai. So he doesn't think, he takes the last clause as referring to the damage done to the nizak, ametamet, and Yechesun refers to the chai, unlike the Buda, who seems like a, like a more straightforward reading that says that they also split the value of the nevela. All right, so that's how to be Meir explains the Pasuk. Mikadi ben to be Meir ben to be Uda, hai me ave srima chamisha shakil, ve hai me ave srima chamisha shakil, mai ben aihu. So now we ask, in the scenario of the be Yehuda, um, uh, the ends up being the same uh, result, whether you follow be Meir or the be Yehuda, uh, the, 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 this one is going to pay 125 and the other ones sorry take what well, this one's going to take 125 and the other one's going to take 125 so what's the difference between them the only difference is that how you calculate it according to the biuda you sell both of them and so that's uh, together they're worth uh, the one's worth 200 one's worth 50 so together worth 250 you sell it and uh you split the profits and each one takes 125 which is a 75 dollar loss for each so the biuda says you do it that way according to the bimeir the nevela in the bimeir in the biuda's case what would how the bimeir calculate it he would say the nevela the niza keeps that so he keeps the 50 and then you take the uh, the live animal. Well, the mazik still owes one twenty five, so he'll have to sell the live animal and pay one hundred twenty five uh, of the live animal, so that the live animal that's sold for two hundred, the mazik takes one hundred and twenty five dollars from that sale, so he's out seventy five. Um, which is what he would have to pay. And the Nizak takes only $75 from the sale of the live animal because he already has the full Nevela, which is which is uh, 50. So that's 75 plus 50 is 125. So they both end up with 125, and they're both out 75. So it's just a difference of, do you, do you sell both animals and split the profits, or... Do you sell only one animal 
and the mazik gets more of it, and the nizak gets less of it because the nizak keeps the the carcass. But it ends up being the same thing. So where would there ever be a an actual difference between them? Uh, there is a case. There is a case where the carcass diminishes in value; it depreciates from the time of its death to the time that it's actually sold. Uh, depreciates in value. Says that the nizak keeps the nevela animal, the entire thing, and therefore he will bear the entire loss of that diminishing value. Right? If it's worth fifty at the time of uh, death, that's it. It's all. It's um, even if it diminishes after, that's the problem of the nizak. says that they split the loss since they're going to sell this animal. So by the time they sell it, let's say now it's only worth, uh, was worth uh, 50, now it's only worth 40. So now they're each going to get 20. They're each out. Um, they should have got. They could have gotten 25 before. Now they're each going to get 20. So they're each out another five. So they split the lo- the diminishing value of the animal uh, because they the, the mechanism is by is you sell that animal and they each get half and so that would be a practical difference. That was what Rava said. Abaye challenges it. So that means that according to your interpretation, uh, for the Bihuda, a tam, a short tam, is more stringent than a short mu'ad. Because with a short tam, I, let's say I'm the mazik, I have to share in the loss that happens to the nevela. Whereas the halakha in the case of mu'ad is that I don't share in that loss. In the case of mu'ad, I cause you uh, damage and uh, now your, uh, your, your ox that was uh, 200 is worth 50. Okay, I have to pay, pay you a full amount of 150 from my best land. Um, and in that case, let's say it was worth 50 at the time of injury. If it goes down after from that, not my problem. It's your animal. You keep the nevela totally. Um, and so, therefore, uh, you see that regard, it's not that the the entire amount in, in the end, still, time I'm paying only half. And uh, for uh, Mu'ad, I'm paying the whole amount. But it means with regard to this, who bears the loss of the nevela? You're saying for a short time, I'm responsible for half the loss. But for what I'm not responsible for any of the loss? It doesn't make sense that a tam would be more stringent than mu'ad. And if you say, maybe you'll say, yes, uh, there could be cases where a tam is more stringent than mu'ad. Like in the following case, kiditnan, uh, mishnah later on, the biyuda omer, tam chayab mu'ad patur, uh, this is regarding uh, Shomer. Uh, the uh, Rabbi Yudah learns from Pisukim that if I'm watching your short tam and not watching it very well and it goes and causes damage, I'm liable. But if I'm watching your short mu'ad and it uh, damages, I am not liable. So you see here, I'm more liable for tam than for mu'ad. So there could be a case, according to Rabbi Yudah, where tam is more chamur than mu'ad. Uh, but that is not good. A uh, good example. Okay, we understand that the Buddha learned this. Learned this regarding regarding watchmen because the pasuk says so. So this is a special case, an exception. But regarding payment, do we ever see that the Buddha 
uh, would consider that a tam can be more stringent than a cham, than a muad. In fact, the opposite. Vahatanya debi yuda omer yachol shor shave mane shenagach shor shave chamesh shelaim vanebela yafe sela zenotel chasi hachai vechasiyah met vezenotel chasi hachai vechasiyah met. We're going to see in the following brayta that the yuda assumes that a tam cannot be more stringent than a muad. Um, the reasoning here is um, going back to the pasuk that we started with in, uh, in Sefer Shemot. So in Sefer Shemot it says, you split the value of the live and the dead animal. Uh, so like no matter what, no matter what the numbers are, uh, what if the shor uh, that gores is worth 100 and it only causes, uh, and the one that it gores is uh, only worth five selaim, and uh, the carcass is worth one sela. So the loss is down from five down to one is only four selaim of loss. So short time should have to pay only two. And now what are you going to tell me? That you should split the value of the live animal and the dead animal? The live animal, you if you sell it, split the value, that's 50. That's way more, right? Plus the dead animal too, well, it will be half a sela, and then each one's going to get half. That you're paying way too much. Now, well, you could say the Torah says so. Yeah, you have to pay too much. That can't be. When we distinguish between Tam and Mu'ad, right, what, how is Mu'ad different? Is it going to be more stringent or more lenient? Obviously, the Mu'ad is going to be more stringent. And therefore, if regarding Mu'ad, the maximum I'm going to pay is the amount of the damage for a short time, all the more so the max I'm going to pay is the amount of the damage, meaning the max you could possibly pay is four, because if Mu'ad pays four, I'm not going to have to uh, pay 50. Um, and so, there, therefore, obviously, the, the Torah is giving you just an example that applies to some sets of numbers, but not all. It's just giving you an example, and then you'll you can apply the the same uh, um, uh, uh, algorithm to other cases. Okay, so we bring this to see that this is a biuda, and a biuda makes an absolute assumption that a short tam is always going to be more lenient than a short muad. And uh, therefore, this is a rejection of Rava's answer because in Rava's uh, distinction uh, between, what's the between the Biuda and the Bimeir, in his example, uh, assumed that they split the loss to the Nevela. Uh, but that can't be that the Mazik should have to um, split in the loss of a Nevela because that would be more Mahmir than Mu'ad where the Mazik does not have to pay for any of the diminishing value of the Nevela. Instead, here's a second answer to what a practical difference would be between the Bimeir and the Biuda. Ela Amar Biochanan, note that Biochanan lives earlier than Dava, so he's not responding to what Kirsch came before. Biochanan gave his own answer independently. Uh, the editors of the Talmud want to bring Dava first so that that they could reject it and then um, conclude with the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, who says, We're talking about a case where the Nevela went up in value, not down in value, um, and that would make a difference because according to Rabbi Meir, uh, since he says that it belongs, the uh, Nevela belongs entirely to the Nizak, so now it went up in value, the Nizak enjoys all of the benefit of it. Whereas, according to the Behuda, that says that you sell it 
and they split the proceeds from the both animals, including the dead animal. Uh, so then, if it gets higher in value, they split the uh, the increase in its worth. And this actually makes sense because in the following Biraita, we're going to see that Abiyuda has a question, and this question only makes sense on the assumption that they would split the value of increase in the Nevela. He says, now that we see that the Torah cares for, has mercy on the mazik. Where do we see that? The Torah says you split even the nevela and the mazik gets half of it. Oh, well, the mazik, uh, we, we might think, you know, throw the book at him. Uh, he did something wrong. Uh, but no, even the nevela, which belonged to the nizak, the mazik gets half of it. So now that we see that the Torah cares about the mazik as well, um, now when he receives the increased value, can it be that he would get more, that he would actually benefit from it and, uh, rec- and receive money from the deal, right? Uh, um, get uh, a benefit from the deal? For example, let's say you have an ox that was worth five selaim. Uh, that, uh, that's, that's the same as 20 dinar. We're going to convert it to dinar. And that gourd, something that's worth 100 dinar, and uh, now the nevela is only worth 50. Zuz is the same as dinar. And now it's only worth 50. So what are you going to do? You're going to split both of them, right? So the 50 uh, is 25 each. And the other one was the killing ox was worth, the goring ox was worth, killing ox, in fact, was worth 20. Um, so that would be 10 each. That means they each get 35, right? So this one gets half of the live and half the dead, and that one gets half the live and half the dead. And that would mean that each get 35. Now look at the mazik. He had an animal that was only worth 20 dinar, and now... Uh, his, and his animal went and gored someone, and at the end of the uh, uh, at the end of the judgment, he gets thirty five back. So he's up fifteen for committing a crime. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Amarta hechan masinu mazik niskad niskad. Where do you ever find that someone who causes damage should get benefit from it? That he should get benefit. That's number one. Doesn't make sense. Second, ve'omer shalem yeshalem ba'alim meshalemin ve'en ba'alim notlin. And furthermore, the pasuk says that the damager has to pay. Right? That means the owner of the ox that gores has to pay and not take. So uh, certainly that can't be. Well, you see, from this entire baraita, as Rabbi Yudah does assume that both the mazik and the nizak. A split the difference of the increase in the value of the nevela. Good, so this is a good proof for Rabbi Yochanan. Now that we mentioned this beraita, let's just analyze why is it need to give two reasons? My veomer, uh, just say the first one is enough. Maybe you'll say that uh, the mazik should not get gain from the, from the deal. Maybe you'll say, okay, he shouldn't gain as long as there is some loss to the nizak. But let's say the nizak is, is made whole and has no loss. Maybe then the, the added 
uh, uh, ben, the added uh, income, maybe that could uh, be split, and then the and the mazik even can, in fact, uh, benefit from it. That's why I need the second basuk to say shalem yishalem that you, the mazik never gets money from out of the deal. Um, so what would be an example like that where the nizak is made whole and there's even extra to go around? Kegon, Shor Shave Hamesh Selaim. That's twenty dinar. Shenagar Shor Shave Hamesh Selaim. It's also worth twenty dinar. And now it kills it, but then it goes up in value and is actually worth thirty dinar, right? Even more than it was worth when it was dead. Shakil Nami Mazik Beshibha. So now you have uh you sell you split you sell the twenty and you sell the thirty. Altogether that it's uh fifty and you sell both of them and split it and you get twenty-five. That means each one gets twenty-five. So each one started with twenty and now they get twenty-five. So you might have thought that, oh, in this case, since the Nizak he only had twenty to begin with, and so he gets all of his loss and he even makes five. So maybe the mazik in that case can make five. Um, so be, as, as long as the nizak is missing something, you can, mazik can't make money. But if the nizak has everything plus, maybe the mazik also can make money out of the deal. That's why I need the second pasuk. The owner of the goring ox always has to pay. And oh, fine, if it gets up to zero, that he doesn't have to pay anything, fine. But you can never have a case where he actually gains and takes money out of the deal. We end with one last question and clarification for the opinion of if you say that according to the Buddha, you split the value of the live and dead animal, and you just do that automatically, um, then you can have a scenario where the mazik will end up paying more than half the damage, uh, because if you just follow the Torah and it says you sell the live animal and you split it, well, what if the live animal is worth a lot of money more than the damage? For example, here Rabbi Hanel gives an example of the short time is worth 300 dinar, and of course some, the animal is worth 200 dinar, and the, uh, the carcass is worth 50. So then, after you divide both, each side gets 175. Now the loss was only 150, and yet the Nizaka is going to get 175. So the Mazik is paying more. So if you just follow the simple formula, um, then you'll end up with paying more, and that doesn't make sense. And the answer is, In fact, Rabbi Uda agrees with the interpretation of this uh, of Rabbi Meir to this section of the Pasuk, as we said before, Rabbi Meir said that this means that the, that the loss from due to the animal dying, the Nizak, now being dead, the loss is split um, uh, um, by is uh, is split and paid from half of the chai. But so this is a limitation on the amount that the mazik has to pay. All right, for the for the loss of the met, it, you you split the loss, and so the met, the mazik will not have to pay more than that. Okay, so now that we see that the biuda agrees with that interpretation that the loss. Um, uh, is uh, is uh, split, and therefore he doesn't have to pay more more of the loss. Now, how does the biuda know that? Okay, good. Now, now, question. Hold on. How could you say that the biuda 
interprets this pasuk as Rabbi Meir did to limit the payment that a mazik has to give to half. If Rabbi Yehuda already used this pasuk to teach me that one takes the live animal and the nevela, sells them both and sells the nevela too. So well, he's using this twice. And he says, yes, in fact, Rabbi Yehuda is using it twice. My vegam shema The pasuk Rav just said ve'etamet. It didn't have to say vegam. The extra word vegam means that we learn two things from this pasuk. Number one, that where you sell the nevela and split and uh, give the proceeds to both of them, and second, that the um, payment of the mazik is limited to half, and it ends up being that you, when you split the live animal, it's more expensive, or when you split both of them, it ends up being more than the loss. No, the mazik will not have to pay more than the loss because it says the met, the loss that occurs, yechesun, one only pays half. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.